This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Dubizzle. Connect with verified users on the UAE's favourite platform for your buying and selling needs. Yes, I'm joined now by Indeshan Giada of Motoring Middle East and Noel Ebden, automotive journalist. Uh, so Indeshan, you've you've been out playing in the sand again, but in a... Um, in a car that's quite uh, adept for this one, the new Jeep Gladiator Sandrunner. Yeah, so it's a car I've been wanting to revisit for a little while because I drove the Gladiator when it came out and the Sandrunner, I drove it in a variety of guises. But I want to see it because right now the Gladiator is about to get its mid-life cycle update. So it's going to be a big update soon, it's got a lot of changes. So I'm just going to see what the state of play is before we move on to what is the mid-life cycle Jeep and JL Wrangler scenario is what we're going to get. So the Gladiator is basically a high-speed version of the, uh, the Sandrunner is actually high-speed version of the Gladiator. What does that mean? It gets bypass shocks front and rear. It gets a little bit of lift and it gets what's called hydraulic bump stops at the front. All that really means and some special software modes, blah, blah, blah. But what you need to know is you can go really fast on the sand because it just soaks up the bumps and you can... It's not a jumper like yeah. the Raptor. I think I don't think they'd like that, but that's what the Raptor is basically advertised as a jumper. I but imagine because it's heavier, right? It's a, it's a big car, the Sandrunner. Yeah. The Sandrunner is a big car and that leads to a couple of problems and a couple of bonuses. So let's sort of get into the positives of it. Um, by the way, when I first got the car, I thought, this is feeling a bit old now. When you drive the Jeep, you immediately get you think, okay, you know what? It's been around since 2018, this mm. interior in the Wrangler. Okay, this is getting a bit old. But after a few days, the magic of Jeep just starts to wash over and you're like, oh, I quite like this. <laughs> However, the Gladiator has always been an odd car for me because it's got too small a bed to be a really good truck, yeah. but it's too big to be a really good Jeep. So it's somewhere in the middle. This is solved by looking at it. Because every time I look back at it, I'm like, that's a really nice looking car. I don't really care if I can't get like a whole, you know, camel into the back of it. It's great. <laughs> it looks amazing. It looks so much more distinct. Every time I see a Wrangler driving around or a Gladiator on big 35-inch tires, it looks great. So I think the looks are aging well. Interior, I think, is actually better put together and surfaced than the Ford Bronco. It's got some nice trim pieces, good stitching. The seats, are, you know, look pretty attractive. The whole car is just really a nice place to be. I hate to use the cliche. And fuel economy is actually pretty good for something running, you know, a 280 horsepower engine. Actually pretty good on gas. Uh, no turbos, nothing. Just old-fashioned eight-speed automatic, which is very, very good at dealing out the power, which there isn't a lot of. This is the negative side of the equation. The okay. 3.6 is feeling a little bit tired it's still, There's still, still the Pentastar engine, Still yeah? the Pentastar yeah. came out in 2012. I owned the Pentastar. It's been around a long, long time. You know, it was fine in the JK Wranglers, the previous models, but now the JL and the Gladiator are a lot heavier and the transmission is working overtime to keep this thing in the power band. And in the sand, it's fine when you lock it into sand mode, etc. But on the road, you can feel like I'm spending a bit of money and I'm not quite getting the oomph I'm asking for. Yep. But it is there. You just got to keep pushing the pedal. Yeah. Um, so we talked already about the tray being too small. I'm not quite sure what you put in there. Yep. Uh, well, this one was a bit unusual. It came with some Mopar accessories. It came with a rack on which you can place a tent. Unfortunately, it did not provide a tent. And I tried to sleep on top of the rack. It's not a good idea. But the rack is great because you can just mount all your stuff on there. Your recovery boards yep. and extra fuel cans and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A couple more negatives. It is a bit cramped. The Bronco is a lot more comfortable because it's wider. This is a little bit cramped. You get very close to your friend. But it's not as bad as something like a Suzuki Jimny. Yep. And the stereo could use a bit more oomph. Overall, though, it is a nice car. It's slightly dated. It could use a bit more power. And it is a bit of an odd segment. But if you want one, you'll know why you want one. I think everybody's bought one is very happy with it. Jeep owners will always be Jeep owners. So they will sell them. So that's a good thing. Um, uh, so um, we're going to stay in the desert. We're going from four wheels to two wheels. 
Noel, you've been out on the uh, – I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it. The Honda Africa. Africa Twin, yeah. Yeah, the Twin. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, old old name, old biking yeah. name from the past <laughs> yes. that they that went away and then came back again. Uh, it's been back for a while. Um, yeah, I had I did a I did a long ride actually from Abu Dhabi to Alain. Wow, um, okay. Including the legal, I quickly add, 160 section yes. uh, between yeah, yeah, uh, Abu Dhabi there. and Alain, which is uh, quite an experience to actually sit <laughs> is that at that the speed. highest speed limit in the world? I do you know, I was thinking that actually funny enough while I was riding. Um and Highest legal speed. I think it is. It's got to be the the highest one where there is a limit because there are some roads that have no limit. Yeah. Um, in Australia, you have a few highways. Still one uh, left. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I was riding that, and thinking, you know, this is. I mean, I stuck. I mean, it's got um, cruise control on it, um, which for non bikers out there might open a few eyes. Control. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it has a button you can just set the throttle. So I set it on literally bang on sort of just yeah, on 160 and because uh, it's always slightly out anyway and it cruised absolutely fine all the way back so highway blast fantastic but they're great for long twisties. distances right the, the africa twin yeah i mean the africa twin is for me is the the choice of the adventure bikes the yeah. bmws are very big and very heavy especially if you're on like a gravel track and things like that and the ktms are the same uh, for a long distance, you'd probably go with a BMW or a KTM because they're a little bit more comfortable than the Africa Twin. And your knees stay warm in cold weather. They do <laughs> stay very warm, yeah. <laughs> and there's somewhere to put your feet. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but um, but if you if if I was going up uh, a mountain in Oman, up a gravel road, I'd want to be on the Honda. It's so yeah. light and so manoeuvrable. I mean, you can chuck that thing around really, really well. I loved it. I really loved it. I'd, I'd actually buy one. Yeah, really? my, okay. my, yeah, it's on my list. There you go. What sort of transmissions does it have? No, is it well, there's, manuals or there's two options. There's a manual option, standard bike style, uh, you know, setup, and then there's yeah. an automatic one, which is, as a biker, very very weird because there's no clutch lever. But for somebody oh, like me okay, who doesn't okay. ride, yes, is that yeah, easy yeah. to get used to? Than a, easier than a manual? Control? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't ride, if you're or if you're new to riding, it would, it would be a lot easier. But for me, I had a twitchy left hand. I kept going for the <laughs> I kept going for the clutch that wasn't there. Um, and also, when you stop, you pull up and stop, and yeah. you're like, oh, oh it's it's, it's going to stall, yeah, and it exactly. doesn't because it's sitting there in automatic mode. So yeah, it's good fun. But, very quickly now, um, very quickly, um, the Defender 130, mm. the big global launch. Yep, you were on that one. I was. Yeah, we did some actually quite extreme off-roading uh, mm. in the desert. I mean, I drive a lot in the desert and uh, we went in places where, you know, I was like, oh, we'll go around this bowl, I'm sure. And then they went, nope, they're going through it. Okay, fine, off we go. Um, the, the interesting thing I found was that, yes, we deflated the tyres, but we didn't um, switch off traction control. Oh, really? So oh, we left okay, all the electronics. Okay. The electronics now are so good. Yeah. You leave it switched on, put it into sand mode, and as you're driving through the dunes, you can hear all the relays behind the dashboard with clicking the, with, away. and with yeah. the... The standard wheelbase Defender I mm. drove out in, in, in uh, Lewa, same yep. thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, my takeaway from the 130 was quite simple. It's, I mean, it's the same car as the uh, 110, but with the, uh, with, you know, it's longer and with the extra row. So you can seat eight people. If you need to seat eight people, it's brilliant. Um, if you don't, it's a little bit long as a car. Yep. Um, but that doesn't matter too much in the UAE because we have big roads, big parking spaces. So it'd be fine. If you were somewhere, say, in Europe, I'd buy the 110. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the the other thing was that um, it'd be the, good they have here for like uh, resorts, safari resorts, exactly because yeah, it's yeah. a seven seater. Yeah, it's eight seater, eight seater, eight, eight seater. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's three, three and two. So you got uh, you can actually three in the back in the very very. So it's back. like a suburban. Yeah, basically yes, a Chevrolet yeah. suburban, but <laughs> yeah. with off. Although the suburban actually can go off road, the new yeah. ones actually have some good airlift suspension mm. as well. But that's a competitor, right? Yeah, yeah. it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, it's huge and it's great. It'd be great for America and places like yeah. that. 
This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Dubizzle. Connect with verified users on the UAE's favourite platform for your buying and selling needs. Yes, welcome back. This is Motormania. I'm Damien Reid and I'm joined by In the Shanjado and Noel Ebden in the studio. Now, before we went to the break, we're talking about what we're all driving. This week I've been driving the uh, Audi Q8 e-tron. EV. Nice. And uh, it's really nice because it's been four years since I've driven an Audi press car. So <laughs> a lot has changed, not least the arrival of its electric range. It calls the e-tron right across the range. Um, uh, it was good to get behind the wheel of this one, the Q8 e-tron. Um, Audi's changed a lot in the past four years since I've been there. So I had to relearn the interior layout and some of the touch points and the, the design language that's, that's crept in since then. But with this one's two drivetrains, uh, the 55 and the Q8 Sportback, and 300 kilowatts in boost mode, 644 newton meters of torque. Uh, but where they differ in range is where they differ is the range, up to 582 and 600 kilometers respectively. Not uh, 105.6 out of that one. Mine showed the range of nearly 500 when I collected it, so uh, just shy lot, of it? those figures. Yeah, I mean, that's still, a lot of range. Still good after, but here's the thing: so it was just shy of those figures when I picked it up. But after four days of driving it, I gave it back and I used just under half of that. So I was actually more impressed by how little it used whilst I was driving it. Mm. I gave it back with more than half of the, the range left, and I drove it normally. It wasn't chasing efficiency. I wasn't driving like a lunatic. It was just mm. normal running around. Um, now there's the SQ8 that has the better performance, four and a half k's to a hundred, uh, four and a half seconds to hundred kilometres an hour, but of course it comes at the cost of range. 370 kilowatts from that one, 973 newton metres, but it has 513 kilometres of range. Now if you use my real real world experience, take about hundred k off that, so 400 plus, still pretty good. Um, it's an SUV, but you'd, you'd never take it off road. It's a big luxury car. It's not an off roader. My gripe with her. With all of, from what I saw anyway, of the Etron range, and it's just something there is the cameras. These mirror cameras just are. Are they still persisting appalling. with that? I mean, it's just I, 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 I would go so far as to say it's it's not safe. Yep. I really would because the cameras – see, cameras are two-dimensional. Your eyes are three-dimensional. So you can't judge perspective or distance. It's a wider-angle lens than, than the naked eye. So what, what a car, when a car appears reasonably close to you, it's actually you actually have more room, which means I was – I was the guy that was getting blasted on the horn because I was left hanging out in the outside lane with my left indicator on, looking in the mirror, the, the, the camera – and thinking he's right there, I look over my shoulder and he's a fair way back, moved in. So your three-quarter vision is not is 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 hmm. too close in the mirror when in actual fact you've got room there. The other one too is reverse parking, and I look like I'd failed my test. <laughs> it was <laughs> no just, comment. <laughs> it was it was it wasn't wasn't good for tight spots f- because of the hmm. idiot behind the wheel being me. Um, just you know, I I, I why I do you need? Don't them? understand why What's you need wrong them? With a mirror in search of a problem. Yeah. Apparently, it's it's, it's for the uh, for the the efficiency is more aerodynamic. But I mean, you've still got the stems hanging out the side of the car. Two percent. So yeah. I, I just don't chasing that point. Something. Yeah. I just yeah, but don't also get it, it makes a lot of things like autonomous uh, driving in the future possible because you have all these cameras already on the car doing stuff, so you can just repurpose them for other things. So I guess that's why they're there. Just leave me with a clean piece of reflective glass. Yeah, and it's Which more efficient. Doesn't need and it's, and it's more accurate. Yeah. Never breaks. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. But however, the good size four climate zones. Uh, beautiful high definition uh, screens to navigate inside around the entertainment system as well. Um, I found it came out one morning, found it had an over the air update overnight. It just didn't tell me what had changed. So the conspiracy theorist kicked off in me, going, "What have they done to it? What have they done to it?" 
But Audi claims it'll be charged from 10 to 80% in 31 minutes. Uh, but of course, this is being, a, if you're able to use the full 170 kilowatt fast charging performance it's designed for, plug it into a regular dealer or a wall unit. It's like all, all EVs, it'll take longer. Um, now, I believe rumour has it it's not on sale here just yet. It should be here probably the second half of 23, so I don't have prices. But I'm guessing it'll be, if it's an electric car, at around 32% on a, on a combustion engine equivalent. So I'm guessing it's around about 800000 or thereabouts when you consider of the Porsche take-in Cross Turismo mm, uh, about right, as a reference. Right. So, so yeah, that, that was that one. Um, also, this week I went down and had a look at the MG1 the launch of, of that um, new SUV. And uh, it's significant in that this is the first MG to use an in-house developed all-new modular Sigma platform I discussed with Naz Chowdhury in, in the first half. The reason why that's significant is because it's shared with other Shanghai Automotive, or SAIC uh, products, Shanghai Automotive Industry Companies who own Volks, uh, who own um, uh, MG. They also have a, a, a joint venture deal in China with, with Volkswagen, Skoda, Audi, Buick, Chevrolet, Cadillac. So this platform is going to be under all these vehicles. Um, they also have six other Chinese brands as well. And, uh, I mean, this company, they sold 5.37 million cars last huge year. Huge company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff. So, so the Ford, Forbes 500. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so this, this Sigma platform will underpin all those future models, whether it be hybrids, plug-ins, hybrids, all electric or combustion engines. So it's, it's the first one here is the MG1 distributed through into Emirates Motors, um, who is a subsidiary of Ali & Sons. Three models. They all use 181 horsepower, 1.5 litre turbo, four-cylinder CVT. Um, as usual with a new MG, you get a lot of bang for your buck with the interior as well. 12.3 inch display, six-way power operator, driver seats, panoramic sunroof, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, GPS navigation. The whole lot for what the whole I'm list. guessing is going to be around about, again, no prices, but I'm guessing around about seventy-five to 80000 That's a lot of car for the money. Exactly, exactly. Um, I just wish they would give us an accurate price. The other good thing about uh, these guys is the, the warranty, six years and 200,000 kilometres. What's your warranty sticking care of? So there you go. Um, that was that one. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot going on in the, uh, in, the, in the new car world. The other one too um, – uh, w Motors have recently unveiled an all-new UAE-made SWAT vehicle, the most advanced in the world. It's called the Gaith, the SWAT car. Dubai police have already have a fleet of these smart patrol cars, and they're now getting the SWAT editions. Uh, you'll see these on the Dubai roads a little later on in the year. Now, we spoke to the CEO and founder, Ralph Debus, about uh, some of the features that might be on this SWAT vehicle. We have the side, the side steps to have two police officers on each side, you know, to grab uh, to the bars, with the front push bar as well. We have the ANPR cameras, facial recognition cameras, surveillance cameras, night vision, Baja lights, projectors, smoke machines. Everything is embedded, integrated in the car itself. Now, inside makes it even more exciting because we have the storage boxes that can accommodate all the weapons they need from grenades, weapons, ammunition, ammo, gilets, vests, helmets. Everything they need is inside the car, which is quite unique for a SWAT vehicle to have it designed in a way that's practical and usable at the same time. And in the front, we have four panoramic screens that communicate independent computer systems so they can run face recognition, ANPRs, dispatcher system at the same time. One central 17-inch screen that can control the whole, the whole car, two tablets in the rear for the mission control so they can plan the missions, and of course, a beautiful design that's interior, that, uh, interior that's designed for the police and for the Gaia. To design a car, we've been working with the police force very closely. So every car we design, every car we build is collaboration with Dubai police and with the special forces. So the SWAT car was designed with the SWAT team 
for their usability so we know exactly what they need and they've been working with us to make it happen. Yeah, Ralph Debus, he says there's 400 of these uh, these cars that are being rolled out. 400 of these cars being rolled out, patrol cars, SWAT cars, other type of, of police vehicles. Uh, and so for those motorists who want to get their hands in this vehicle without the SWAT features, well, he also says that's going to be possible as well for, uh, for, for I guess, for civilian use. Let's hear what Ralph had to say. We actually launched the... Uh the VIP edition of the Gaia, which we're already de- delivering this month to some clients. And this is going to be produced as a limited series of around 10 to 20 vehicles per month uh, in our Dubai facility with full carbon fiber body, upgraded ECU, Borla performance exhaust, off-road suspension, beautiful interior, and it's a Gaia made in UAE. So the private motorist, it's going to start at around 500,000 dirhams, and the fully loaded edition is going to be around 540 with everything they need, captain seats and upgrade and this and that. For the police, of course, it's a different thing. We don't talk about prices, but for the VIP, that's more or less the price range that we have in mind. So uh, Ralph has corrected me. Is it Gaeth? I call it the Gaeth. Yeah, I thought it was Gaeth, isn't it's it? It's Gaeth, yeah. I think, yeah. Oh. Uh, but of course... It has to come also with an EV fleet as well. For the Gaiath program, we are launching a Gaiath EV very, very soon, which we're, we're working on very heavily. That's going to be a special request for the UEEs because by 2030, we want to reduce the emission by then, so we're on track to do it. For W Motors ourselves, for the different divisions, we are launching our electric supercar as well this year, which is going to be pretty cool. We have a, G, a GT electric as well for next year, and we do our, are working very heavily with the team to have a full division of EV in the next 24 months implemented in the UAE for W Motors. So you're going to see a lot of new surprises for them. Yeah, and of course, these are the guys that W Motors have brought out the uh, the, the supercars. Lycan yeah. and, uh, yeah. Lycan Hypers. The Fenrir. Yeah, Fenrir. Well, Great-looking yeah, yeah. cars. Fenrir, yeah, yeah, and, and I, moving down this path. I saw a Gaith yesterday. I've seen one on the road, yeah. yes. Good-looking yeah. thing. It looked super cool. It looked, it's very Judge Dredd, isn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was based initially, I think, I think on the Tahoe, and now, but now it's yeah. the patrol. Patrol-based. Yeah, yeah, the patrol yeah. chassis underneath, but it's very, very modified. Mm. And I think built to – I love that it's a UAE-built car. How cool is that? And mm. th- these, this is a, these guys are a, a quietly working away. When they, they made a whole lot of noise about, about the supercars when they came out, and they built seven of those cars. They sold them out as a fast and furious. They got the headlines, and everyone's going, okay, what are they going to do now? Um, and then uh, I've known Ralph Dabbas for a very, very long time. He's a very smart guy. Mm. And he just went underground and went quiet because they've been working with military and police to develop these other keys vehicles. They're working on other vehicles in the EV market as well. But it's all built here. They've they've got a a, a, um, a greenfield factory. They're building out there at Silicon Oasis or thereabouts, hundred uh, percent uh, modified and manufactured here in the UAE. So you know some pretty impressive stuff. They've been quietly mm. working away on out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I wonder company. what the future holds yeah. for them because I can never predict where they're going to go next. <laughs> From supercars to the police patrol car of the future. What next? EVs, apparently, but who knows? Uh, EVs, um, without going into too much, because I have been out there, but thinking of down the autonomous vehicle path, mm. the, the technology that everyone's getting involved in. The tech heavy. That's going to be yeah. exported as well. Uh, they have uh, partners in China and partners in Europe. I saw them at the Geneva Motor Show a couple of years ago, sitting up there. Then I saw them at the Shanghai Motor Show um, over there. So they've got some some very good business partners over in uh, in China as well. So yeah, um, W Motors, a, a quiet little success story in the, in the UAE. And uh, yeah, they're looking good. I'll tell you what, um, stick around. We've got a lot more coming up after this. We're going to talk about the Rally Jamil all-female rally in Saudi Arabia. The Women's World Car of the Year, Ramadan offers. Yeah, there are actually a few floating around. So we'll dig into those straight after this. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Dubizzle. Connect with verified users on the UAE's favourite platform for your buying and selling needs.
Yes, Motormania with you through until noon. I'm Damien Reed and I'm joined in the studio by uh, Noel Ebden and Itna Shantiado. Now, we're going to talk about things in Saudi Arabia and motorsport because we just had the, uh, the Saudi Arabian Formula One Grand Prix. Big success there again. Great racing. It looks great. Oh, the venue looks fantastic. And, uh, and and the drivers like it, despite what you read in the European press, the drivers love it. They do because it's 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 a challenging, tough, it's fast, fast as well. track yeah. and it rewards bravery, which is which is something really good. It's gonna be an interesting one because they're gonna have to move to their new facility in a couple of years' time, but they don't want to leave this one now because this track now mm. is starting to get some reputation, good good reputation around the place. So uh, so that was that was a Formula One side of things, but um, it's part of Saudi's moving to become a motorsport hub in the region. They've got the Dakar, they've got Formula E, Formula One. Now, recently, the Kingdom saw the second edition of the Rally Jamil, which is the first ever women's only navigational rally. And uh, it's sanctioned by the Saudi Automobile and Motorcycle Federation, supported by the FIA through their Women in Motorsport program. Uh, our very own Fraser Martin in the region helped uh, officiate mm. and set it up and, and get the thing running. This year's route was 1,600 kilometres, passing through some of the most diverse and breathtaking terrains, honestly, that you see out there and really starting to become a bit of a tourist hub now too for, for places to go off-roading. It started in, in uh, Alula and uh, the teams drove through the course on their way to Hale and ended a three-day run in Al-Qasim. Now, it's been nearly five years uh, and uh, since Saudi women were allowed to drive and they're now moving into motorsport. We've seen it. We've seen it with the Dakar uh, the, in the buggies and, and that sort of thing moving around, and we've seen it here. Rima Jafali racing on the circuit as well. So it's really good. Now Maha Al Halmi, she placed second uh, in the 2022 um, rally and uh, is one of the faces of the race. So this was uh, this was Maha. I started my career in the world of rallying by participating in Rally Jamil in 2022. Uh, it is very special experience for me, uh, which made me discover my love and passion for this sport. And I learned a lot about myself and how I act under pressure in a competitive setting. That's why I plan to return every year to Rally Jamil and uh, sharing my experience with new women and um, encourage them. Yeah, an amazing effort. When, when when you think about it like this, unlike many of the professionals that are out there, obviously she hasn't been driving for very long. And and I guess in a way, guys, that that means that gives you you don't have preconceptions, you don't have bad habits that you've that you've been brought up with. You're coming straight in fresh, like we're seeing in Formula One with 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 people you know performing in bad cars better than, say, for instance, George Russell thinks doing a better job than Lewis Hamilton because he's he's newer to the sport. And the older guys are bringing misconceptions and things. So, this is one of the things that uh, that that you know I think probably is is helping Saudi women in terms of, of motorsports. So, again, this is what uh, this is what Maha had to say. I don't necessarily compare my experience to professional as I start very late compared to other. I learned how to drive not so long ago. I am inspired uh, by strong professional in motorsport that have experience, mental strength and quantity. So uh, I believe in curving my path in uh, a unique way. 
and Maha also had to say um, that said that this year's event was, yeah, as you'd expect, uh, a lot more difficult than the last year's. It was more challenging this year because we have to follow strict rules like adjusting average speed in a very difficult situation. Uh, also, the, we are more participating teams and the length of the roads was increased to around 1,600 kilometers. As I have the experience for last year, I found it fun, exciting, and I love the spirit and the courage uh, for uh, ladies in Rally Jamil. Yeah, so um, really good good effort there, Maha Al Hamli, um, placing second in twenty twenty two and also competing this year did a uh, did a great job in that one. But yeah, motorsport is just Saudi is really getting their head around it, aren't mm. they? They're just really starting to come forward now. Well, they've got the space as well; they've got the places to do it. I mean, I was uh, I worked on Rally Jamil, the first uh, one in twenty twenty two, and yeah. uh, uh, it was fantastic. I mean, I drove through areas, just stunning areas. I mean, amazing. Um, and they've got the big roads, they've got the desert everywhere. I mean, it's it's ideal for uh, for rallying. I, you, I can see why the Dakar went there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, you've spent some time in, in Saudi running around in the Shadow? Never been. Really? Never, ever been. For somebody who does a lot of overland travel, it's on my next to-do list for sure. And I think some of those locations look incredible. I think this is an amazing event. And clearly it has some basis in all American events like the Rebels Rally and the Rally yeah, Aisha, yep. the Gazelles in Morocco. These are all catching this fever for women in motorsport. I can't say enough good things about it. It's long overdue. Absolutely, and, and and what we're seeing is we're seeing that branching out as well as we said before. You know, they're they're now through um, through the, the the small buggies that you're getting. You can you can you can be a novice and compete in the Dakar if you've got the right equipment and the right team around you. And so we're starting to see some women taking part, Saudi women and Emirati women taking mm. part in the Dakar, which is. Five years ago, you wouldn't have even dreamed of that. Well, you got Donna Akil. Um, she, Absolutely, uh, yeah, Donna, Donna, yes. She won a uh, stage, didn't she? So, yeah. yeah, she was, uh, and uh, she's a lo- lovely, lovely lady as well, really knows, knows her stuff as well. But buggies have opened up rallying to, yeah. to people who wouldn't normally be able to afford it, perhaps. Is it a cost thing, very quickly, no? Mm. Uh, things like the Dakar, is that why people can't? Because Jamil is a nice, semi-affordable alternative to rallying, and you can drive regular cars. That's right, yeah. You don't need a roll cage. You don't need all the uh, all the safety gear that you would normally associate, because it's not a race. It's, it, it's a navigational it's rally, an, yeah. so obviously, yeah, the entrance fees are, are way less than, yeah. than the Dakar, but also you don't need the, the pace notes yeah, and all that yeah. kind of thing. You've got, you've got support around you. There's two things with Dakar. Is One is cost. Um, it's incredibly expensive to do. And secondly, it's um, it, it, the commitment to it. I mean, you've got to be practicing. You've got to be two years out planning. And Physically very fit. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be, you've really got to know what you're doing. So there's a lot to it. It's not a simple thing to do. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of, uh, of, of female drivers in the region, uh, the Women's World Car of the Year is, uh, is has happened. Uh, a team of 63 female journalists from 45 countries across all five continents. Um, the, it's the only all-female jury in the automotive world. And uh, we had one jury member based in the region here, Shireen Shabnan, International Motoring Jury member of, uh, of this. So we caught up with Shireen last week to discuss about the Women's World Car of the Year. This year, we had six categories and the winners of the six categories in the urban model was Kia Nero, um, SUV, fam- family SUV was Jeep, Avenger, large car, Citroen C5X, large SUV. The winner was Nissan X-Trail. Uh, in the performance car segment, we had Audi RS3 and in the 4x4 category, Ford Ranger. The supreme car of the year this year was Kia Nero. We do these awards because it gives a voice to the women in the automotive world. 
And uh, in terms of criteria, we do the test based on safety, driving, comfort, technology, design, efficiency, impact on the environment as well as value for money. And the voting process is usually verified by auditors Grant Thornton. Yes, there you go. That was Shireen Chapman, uh, a jury member of the uh, the Women's World Car of the Year. So, uh, but this is the thing: being a World Car of the Year, a lot of those products are not sold here. So mm. the Kia Niro is is not here yet. Uh, the K Five is, and it, it's a new one. It looks great. So that was the uh, the urban car. Uh, the Jeep Avenger was only launched in mid December last year. So hopefully, hopefully that gets here. Citroen C Five X. I don't know. Was there any Citroens? I haven't seen a Citroen <laughs> since forever I, I, in this region. I saw the French Embassy had one, but, uh, but uh, that's <laughs> yes. the only one I've seen in years. But, uh, it's a shame because I love a good Citroen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they, they make great stuff. Uh, and the Nissan X Trail was launched last October. It Which landed landed here this month. Yeah, yeah look, good. good looking I think we'll get it on test pretty soon. Like a lot of people are waiting to hear how that one is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also you're getting a hold of the Ford Ranger, but the Raptor too, aren't you? The point. Ranger Raptor. The, yes. Forget the regular, the regular Ranger is very good. It's, the Ranger Raptor is mm. the one that is going to be very interesting because it's cheaper than the Bronco I drove, but it's a Raptor. So I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. I think it's selling really well. I think it's very hard to get hold of. Pricing's pretty good, 260,000 dirhams for what it is because yeah. you're getting all that Raptor capability in what is a more flexible package because yeah. the regular Raptor is pretty huge. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. It's, a, it's the Women's World Car of the Year. Mm. Of those... I'd probably agree with most of them anyway. So mm-hmm. so I think that's fine. Um, and, and I think the women's world car, you do, do a great job not trying to take it any way from them at all. However, you do have to remember that the actual world car of the year of, uh, awards also has 11 females on as jury members as yeah, well and, mix, and voters. So, and some, some great names. I mean, Jean Lindemood, who is a, a, a journalist that I look up to, have mm. always looked up to. She's a fantastic lady, writes for Car and Driver. She co-founded Automobile, which is one of the – Mm. One of the uh, must-read magazines in the USA um, does an amazing job. Erin Baker, Ginny Buckley, uh, Renuka uh, Kirpalani from, from India, Claire Bell, uh, Kumi Sato, Shini Yamato. Um, so uh, Shireen's on that one as well. Abigail Bassett, Eileen Fulkenberg, Lauren Fix, Jen Newman, Scotty Reese, Jessalyn Tropp, Nicole Walkland, and Tamara Warren, um, all members of the, the international. In fact, there's 16 members of the uh, the international really? car, uh, world car of the year. So, a lot of representation out there. Um, just trying to think, w- would there be anything that I wouldn't put in there? Uh, probably only the Kia Nero because I haven't driven it and it's not launched yet. But mm. pretty much everything else: the Avenger, CS5, RS3, Audi RS3. What a great little car! I'm fascinated by the Citroen now. I want to try it. <laughs> Citroen, where are you? All those cars, and the <laughs> Citroen is the one you want to drive. That's why we have diversity on this exactly, panel. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, moving very quickly into uh, Ramadan, where Ramadan deals are, are kicking off. We, we talked last week with, with Bruce Robertson in the studio about Ramadan deals. Chris Buxton was on the business breakfast this week talking about Ramadan deals with the dumbest. And a lot of them are saying value-added and, and not a whole lot with, with in terms of, of, of cash back and that sort of thing. However, I found two where there are, and they're both from the Volkswagen group. Volkswagen and Audi, in fact. Mm. Um, the, the Ramadan deals do look a bit different this year, given the lack of supply from some manufacturers. But VW in Dubai are offering um, uh, Ramadan deals on the Golf GTI, the Golf R, the Tiguan, the Terramont, and the Touareg, which includes seven years free service, up to 105,000 kilometres, and a three-year unlimited mileage warranty. They'll also offer up to 7,000 dirhams over the market value for any trade-in as well. Um, so that makes things uh, 
fairly affordable. You, you drove the GTI and the R mm. last week. Um, interesting for that one there. Um, so, so full credit, I've got to say, VW and, and Aldabuda, they've actually volunteered the actual prices. It's on their site. You can go and have a look at that. But you're talking, you know, 2,300 dirhams for, for, for the seven-seater Terramont thereabouts. Mm. The other one, too, was... Um, uh, Audi down in uh, Abu Dhabi in LA and Allian Sons are offering Ramadan deals on the e-tron GT, not the Q8 that we just reviewed, but the e-tron saloon. It's a great looking car. It's a good looking car, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it it's really I think is. it's better than the Deccan in some yeah. ways. It's a very progressive vehicle. I haven't, haven't driven it, but it looks, it does look good. Best looking um, electric car on the market, I reckon. The, they're also offering deals on the Q8 flagship, the, the combustion engine one, the Q7 and the A8L sedan. Uh, now, before we get into that, they all come with an eight years free service plan and 150,000 kilometres, five year unlimited mileage warranty, and free registration for the first year. So, tempting stuff if you're wow. in a market for an Audi and Abu Dhabi. Now, here's the thing with the e tron that I particularly like a free home wall mounted charger and installation for it as well. So, uh, that's a real incentive if you. Live in a villa and not an apartment, of course. Well, it's a big hit, isn't it? When you buy the electric car, is you go, oh, great, I can afford that, and then oh, hang on a minute, I've got to pay for a charger as well. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And a lot of people overlook that, and it's it's not a what cheap cost. What is the value of that cost actually? Uh, they haven't put a value on that, but I know that getting getting wall mounted chargers can be a, a bit of a hit that you didn't expect. But mm. but once you've got one, of course, you can charge at home. So it, it makes and any it, car in the future that you buy from any brand as well. I believe so, but I can't confirm on that. Mm. I'm pretty sure the charges <laughs> wouldn't be locked because they're all generic plugs as well or CCS plugs, so they wouldn't right. be. Tesla's a different story. Although they, they are now modifying Tesla's now accepting mm. regular charges Is as that well. yet? And if you go on eBay, you can buy a converter plug. There, there you go. Tip. Noel's there you top go. tips. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got Noel's top tips, more of that coming up after this. Might make that a regular segment. Absolutely. Imp the Shan's uh, ideas and Noel's top tips. Um, oh, no. Anyway, stick around. We've got more Motormania coming up. I'm Damien Reed, and of course, I'm joined by Imp the Jada and Noel Ebden in the studio. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Dubizzle. Connect with verified users on the UAE's favourite platform for your buying and selling needs. Yes, Motormania. Welcome back. I'm Damien Reed, and uh, this is Motormania. Of course, joined by Imp Shanjado and Noel Ebden in the studio. Now, guys, one of the things that came out during the week too is that um, Alpha Tame Toyota has uh, launched the UAE's first motorsport academy, mm. which uh, which got through, which yeah. we are not a part of. No, <laughs> probably for the best. Well, <laughs> it, because it includes the first homegrown motorsport reality TV to be streamed on the Shahid streaming platform throughout Ramadan. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad uh, that. But the first of the nine episodes will air this week on, on April 4. The final will be spread over two episodes going live in May. 150 participants were put through driving, media, fitness challenges in a bid to win the title of the Alpha Tame Toyota Gazoo Racing Off-Road Ambassador. Interesting stuff. Mm. Uh, 1,200 applications from 13 nationalities. 1,200? Yeah. Wow. Big, big female co- uh, contingent as well. Mm. Now, here's the thing that I would like to be a part of. The final episode on May 9, the winner, they not only get to borrow a Hilux for the next 12 months, a GRS, um, but they also get to fly all expenses paid to a global racing event where Toyota is competing, uh, which could be the Dakar in Saudi, could be NASCAR, could be NHRA in the North America, um, could be the World Endurance Championship, could be Le Mans, could be the 86 Cup in Japan, which apparently is fantastic. Oh, I'd go NASCAR. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd do that Japan too. for me, thanks. Nah, no, no, I, I could say that. I, I, I could have guessed that. There's, like, owner. there's yeah. like 80 cars in that field, that 86 cup field. Oh, they uh, missed that's, a trick. That's Why isn't 86? 86 cars in this Maybe cup. there is, but I'd go NASCAR. Oh, speaking of NASCAR, um, <laughs> our very own Dubai's Ed Jones is debuting this week in the Craftsman Truck Series. Oh, right. So okay. he's cool. raced IndyCar. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's done World Endurance Championship and Le Mans mm. style racing. And he's having a double at NASCAR, um, the, the pickup series, the Craftsman oh, Truck Series, where Kimi Raikkonen raced. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, so good luck to Ed Jones and the Jones family. I know he's based in, in, in Miami, but uh, his family is still here in Dubai, if you're listening. Um, wishing all our best. Um, another quick little thing came out. Kia and Wastelab are launching, this is for Ramadan, a three-stage operation to transform food waste into compost during Ramadan. Kia is uh, supporting them by supplying a fleet of hybrid vehicles, including the, uh, the, the Nero for the UAE, the K5 in Oman, the K8 in Saudi. By collecting food waste from 150 households across Dubai to be sorted and converted into compost. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're going to do with the compost is they then take that to the uh, Lake Oasis in Oman. It's a family-run farm in Oman where the compost and uh, regenerative agricultural practices transformed their own land into orchard for date palms and citrus and tropical fruits. So they're going to transform that compost there to something that they can then take to restaurants. They're going to take that then to Saudi, where Saudi chef Yasmin Hamza will host a, uh, a zero-waste fine dining experience in Jeddah at her restaurant uh, as a farm-to-table iftar wow. using this stuff that started in as as leftovers from, from iftars and sahurs here in Dubai. That's, That's a great, great idea. It's quite a journey as well, isn't it? Great it's, stuff. Uh, yeah. Don't follow that truck down to Oman. That no, would be my no, it, tip. It, it, but, uh, <laughs> um, now, very quickly, I want to get on this. I want to get your thoughts on this. EV car fires. Oh, here we go. Yeah, Don't have we, one? We, we, I, that's why I left it right at the end, because we could talk all day about this. UK fire brigades have begun testing new EV fire tubs to put out lithium fires in cars. Now, the AAA over there has started rolling out what they call EV cool labs that are basically skip bins big enough to hold a car and are equipped with water jets that fill both the tub and continue to spray water on the car while it's immersed in the tub. Now, the thing is with lithium batteries is that they can fuel fire without needing oxygen. So it's not just cars that we know of. Cabin crew are all trained at putting out lithium fires in phones and computer batteries and overhead lockers. It's the same thing. The only real way you can put out a lithium battery fire is to cool the battery down to the point where it allows the thermal runaway to to dissipate, Mm. um, which in the case of large batteries used in cars, you submerse the car underwater and you leave it there for 10 days to two weeks to stop it from reigniting. So you drive your wow. car on fire into the sea or the nearest river and wait two weeks. You can do it's that. It's a lot of forethought. But, but what you do now is if it, if it, if it catches fire, this is in, in, in the UK and in Europe, if it catches fire, they then bring the, they, they let it burn the out. There's nothing the you can do. Down. You've got yeah. to let the thing burn out wow. until the, the mini skip arrives. They lower it there. They drop the car into that. And then they take the whole skip away to a dump yard and let it sit for two weeks. It's like the opposite of firefighting. Normally, you put water on the fire. Here, you put the fire in the water. Yes, it's like a <laughs> exactly. reversal of uh, yeah. Oh, wow, that's so strange. Okay, because oh. that's the thing with lithium, right? Uh, and we've seen it with mm. computers and phone batteries. Is that you can't really put it out. It so, sounds like an EV Chernobyl. Like it doesn't sound very pleasant at all. Wrap it in concrete. But, yeah. it, mean, it, yeah, but it means that even minor fires is is a, is a write off for your car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, because it has to be submerged, it's got to go. So I'd love to. In fact, it might be a discussion. We we'll talk to the local fire brigade, mm. see what they do for EV fires in the region. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, they've yeah. been briefed already. I've heard some talk about is that they know what to do, but it's not something they look forward to. But they're prepared, I believe. Because mm. yeah. there's a big issue is uh, with them being un- underground in underground car parks. You've got to get it out the car park quick, smart. 
because yeah. uh, but it's just, on fire. Yes, but you've still got to get it out. So, and it's a very high uh, flashpoint too. It burns yep. burns very brightly, and and uh, mm. say you, you, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You've just got to let the thing play out. And this will become an increasing problem as more and more EVs come on the road. I mean, it's not something we can ignore. So. Yeah. Thanks very much, Noel. Hit the shen. No problem. What, what, what are you guys up to this week? I am driving actually the Nissan Pathfinder. You'll be hearing all about that Ooh, next yes. week. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. For me, I'm working on my common gear, trying to get. I'm, I'm oh, now. I'm, I'm, you've you've finished your car, so now we have to take over with mine. So. <laughs> Seventeen years later, we're going up. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> yes, don't be like me. Don't wait twenty-five years. Fix it or flip it. So, uh, as I said, joined in the studio by Naz Chowdhury, automotive entrepreneur, uh, Ramadan Karim Naz. Yeah, thank you, and Ramadan Karim to all the <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it's nice to have. Um, I just just saying a few seconds ago, Ramadan a little bit earlier this year, so, uh, of course, but um, it means I think we're going to have some some really nice outdoor family time. We've got uh, outdoor iftars and sahurs, and 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 the weather is just beautiful right now. Yeah, it really is, and it really helps to all the people fasting out there. It's just nice and cool, and it's nice for sahur in the evenings and things like that. So it's you know it's it, it's a bit earlier every year, and it just gets a little bit better every year. <laughs> Yeah, well, we hope you do enjoy Thank this you. fantastic uh, holy month of, of Ramadan. Very special time for everyone in in the in the region and and globally who uh, who uh, uh, takes part in that one. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Sure, it also means a lot in the car industry, right? You've seen all the dealerships starting all their uh, sales and discounts. What's just, what's interesting this year, and I've speaking I've been speaking to a couple of dealerships and independent showrooms. Is it's not as much as we're going to give you so much discount on cars. What's interesting this year, because limited supply, it's what are the value-added services I can give yes. this year. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of free registration, free insurance, free window tints, uh, free full tank of fuel, free salic. They're really getting creative this year, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. And we had uh, um, <laughs> we had um, Bruce Robertson from Jaguar Land Rover in last week talking exactly about that. Chris, Chris Buxton from, from Adamus was on the business breakfast this week okay. talking about all of that as well. So, yeah. But, look, let's kick things off. We've got a message here from, uh, from Dane Swindles, part of the ARN News Centre. He's a big fan of the show and a Jeep driver. Let's listen to what Dane had to say. I have a Jeep Wrangler. It's red. It's manual. It's done 120,000 kilometres. I'm looking to sell it. It's only the two-door version. It's really good, and it's never been in the desert, so the engine is immaculate. How much is it worth, please? It's a Wrangler Sport, by the way. Yeah, uh, Naz, that was Dane. That was our very own Dane Swindles, part of the ARN News Centre. He's got the Jeep Wrangler, as everyone seems <laughs> to do at some point here. <laughs> He, you know, he's given all the right information on the car, but sadly he forgot to give you the year of the car. I was just trying to <laughs> rack my brain. What year did he say? So we've got all the right information except for the year of the car. So I'm really sorry, but without the year, I'm stumped. I mean, these things, you know, there's a TY, there's a TJ, the Wrangler started way in the early 80s, right? And up until the new JL models, all the way to 2023. So the thirty-year production run—it's run. It's impossible you, to gauge, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, Dane, but it, it, if, I tell you what, Dane, if you're listening, give us a, give us a buzz um, because yeah, the year on the Wrangler is so important because it, it, it's it's a model that's been around for such a long time that it changes so much and it, it depends massively as to what you get. Now we're going to go straight to the line now. Um, good morning, Mary. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show. What um, what what can we help you with this morning? What what car have you got? I've got an Audi RS Q3, um, 2022 model. That I'm looking for a price to sell, please. Okay. So, ah, uh, okay. So I've got your message here. It's Nardo Grey. 
lovely. Um, yeah. Fourteen thousand kilometres on the clock, and uh, you're the you're the first owner. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, Naz. I tell you what, Naz. Nardo Grey Audi RS Q3s. Popular combination, isn't it? Amazing. Anything Nardo Grey really is so <laughs> in right now. I mean, they came out, I think, 2015, 16 with the original RS3s. Yeah. Uh, but that colour has definitely not gone out of fashion, has it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, thank you for the call, Mary. And what's interesting is I've been driving one of these all week and I just handed it back really? to a friend. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And I just, it, absolutely amazing car. I had an RS3 before, so these yeah. for me are very, very close to my heart. Um, great choice of car. In terms of current pricing, I can be very accurate because I just helped a friend price his car and sell his car just oh, a couple go. of days ago. <laughs> uh, it's also Nardo Grey, believe it or yeah. not, uh, with very similar mileage as well. Uh, we had it up for 299 Okay. Uh, on Dubizzle for about 10 days. We had about six calls, so I can be very accurate with this. Uh, the best offer we've had so far is 285. He's holding out for 290, so we're very close. So that's literally like on the pulse pricing as of this week. Same year, same car, same color. <laughs> How's that for you, Mary? <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Anel. I might ask you to help me sell mine as well. Then. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Absolute pleasure. We've already got the advert up and running anyway. <laughs> that's about as, as, as narrow focus as you want to get, Mary. That's, uh, that's, that's brilliant advice. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Mel, guys. Appreciate that. No problems. Thank you, Mary. All the best. Thanks, Mary. Uh, so um, uh, Jason has uh, texted in. He has. Uh, he's looking for an, um, a 2012, either an X5 Q or a Q7 uh, or a 2010 Range Rover. He's priorities is less than a thousand kilometers and uh he's got a budget of around about fifty thousand dirhams uh so he's looking at uh, what what is the uh, what's the safer option out of those three the x5 q7 of 2012 era or a 2010 range rover good question mm. i think they're both great cars um i'm gonna amend this slightly because in terms of safer i think they're both equally safe yeah um i wouldn't say one is a lot safer than the other. Um, I don't know the exact crash test data on both cars off the top of my head, but I'd say generally there or thereabouts, they're just as safe as each other. Now, so. this is the thing. I, I'm not sure whether whether Jason's referring to safer as in safety of the car or a safety in terms of purchase and resale. Yeah, so which is why I'm going to answer that question because that's <laughs> more relevant yes, to the show. Yes. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so in, in terms of reliability, I mean, Look, they're both similar as well. I think there was a point when these uh, these Range Rover were using BMW engines, right? So, That's right. Yeah, they were. They were four-liter so, engine, wasn't so it? So it's, it's practically yes. the same car. Um, I'd say probably the Range Rover is a better car. Um, but in terms of maintenance, they'll probably both cost the same as well. I mean, yeah, really yeah. chosen two cars that are on par in terms of you know common problems, uh, prices, things that can go wrong. If you look at depreciation as a factor, I'd say the Range Rover would probably depreciate a bit less. Really? So you've got okay. a bit of a factor okay. there, simply because yeah, that actually, shape is just timeless, isn't it, really? Very, very, very good point. Wasn't that era 2012 X5, that was a year that had some engine issues? Yeah, the 4.4 V8 yes. especially, there was yes. the, the white smoke is the valve stem seal issues. Uh, so once they reach 100, 120,000 kilometers, uh, you really need to keep an eye out on these. Um, you know, you get the check engine light that comes on first uh, you get the white smoke on startup and then the constant white smoke is that the problem you're talking that's about that's what i'm talking about yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a fatal problem on they rectified cars. it with the 4.6 from what i understand yeah it, it, they did rectify it in the later years but mm. there's a lot of cars that have that engine out there and uh, yeah. people are scared in in the in the motor trade that i know 
Uh, they just stay away from that generation BMW simply because of that white smoke issue. Yeah, there you go, Jason. I hope that's so that's uh, another tick towards the Range Rover. So there yeah. we go. That's two for the Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Range Rover. <laughs> Speaking of Range Rovers, um, Gordon. Now I'm not sure whether Gordon was listening to us last week or not, but he also has a couple of cars he was looking for advice for. One is another Range Rover, Range Rover Sport HSC 2019. Uh, now the reason why I say was he listening last week because we also had a question about the. Jaguar F-Type R Dynamic, a car that I personally love. He's got a 2018 model with just 28,000 kilometres on the clock. Um, but the Range Rover NAS is, uh, is a, as I said, it's a Range Rover Sport HSC 2019, 76,000 kilometres. Also looking for a value on the F-Type R Dynamic with 28,000 kilometres for the 2018 model. Okay, so let's start off with the Range Rover first. Um, slightly on the high side in terms of my, uh, no, hold on. Yeah, 76,000 kilometers yeah. on the Range Rover. You're yeah, confusing that's me it. there. That's it, yeah. Um, slightly higher kilometers than expected on the Range Rover. So that's just a bit of a disadvantage. Um, in terms of pricing, I'd say low 300s, 320, 330, somewhere there. Um, can you just remind me of the information on the Jag, please? Uh, it's a, it's a uh, 2018 <laughs> F Type R Dynamic with 28,000 kilometers. Now, I think we priced this last week or very yeah, that's similar. Right, that's right. Yeah, I'm just yeah. um, trying to rack my brain. Um, that's similar. I'd say somewhere in the late twos, somewhere there. Yeah, there you somewhere go. There. there you go, Gordon. I hope that helps. Um, but do give us a call if you want to uh, get us a value live on air, 04871 or you can text in as Gordon did, uh, 4001 or uh, via the ARN app. Um, we've also got a message here, text here from Ibrahim. Ibrahim has a uh, Chevrolet Traverse 2011 model. It has a gear leakage. Uh, now, is that leak or linkage? I think gear leak issue. Mm-hmm. Is it best to get that fixed with a dealer or outside? And afterwards, should he sell it? Uh, hi, Ibrahim. Thanks for the message. Uh, definitely not fixed with the dealer. Not that I've any. Not that I've got anything against the dealership. Yeah. But with the age of the car being 2011, um, you'll find that a dealer repair could make it beyond economical repair it could actually be more than the value of the car um the most common thing on 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 the chevrolet traverse in most cars actually is either the rear crank seal or the gear sump uh, sump gasket either way excuse me yeah Uh, an independent workshop shouldn't charge more than a couple of thousand to get that fixed so definitely go towards um an independent workshop uh, the second part of that, to that question was, should I flip it afterwards? Uh, and the answer is, look, if the car's running fine, if you're not in a particular rush to buy a new car, uh, this is a common wear and tear issue that you'd expect on a car of such age. And it shouldn't put you off the car as such. If there's nothing else wrong with it, this is just a routine maintenance thing. Uh, you can repair it independently from a good workshop and just continue driving, really. Yeah, okay, there you go. I hope that gives you some help, Ibrahim. Uh, Shafiq has just texted in and he said, good morning. I need to buy a new car for my wife, mainly for the school drop and lo- local grocery shoppings. Please recommend the best deal on new cars currently being offered, 1.3 to 1.6 litre. Thanks. Uh, You're probably better off. Uh, I've got one in the in, in the top of my head right now. Go for it. That uh, I've just been to the launch of this car this week, and we're going to cover it off in the second half of, uh, of Motomania. Um, unfortunately, it's not in the showroom just yet. It is coming. It's the MG1. Okay. O N E. Okay. Um, it's just landed this week, uh, or revealed this week. It's uh, it's a one point five liter four cylinder turbocharged, uh, small to mid size SUV. Sort of think about Audi Q three kind of size. Has all the gear that you're after uh, at at a budget price. So they wouldn't give us the price, um, but I've been told it's going to be around, when you when you consider that the top range MG, which is around about VW Touareg size, is just on a hundred thousand dirhams. 
I'd be saying this is around about 75,000 thereabouts. Now, consider that you get all the electronic gadgets for the safety, uh, passive safety, active safety. You get the uh, the centre console screen. You've got uh, um, a great warranty. I think it's about a five-year warranty uh, on that as well. So, you know, if you want absolute new cutting edge, and it's a good-looking car, I have to say, then you know, that car for about 75,000 dirhams is uh, is perfect for the school run and for, for running around and that sort of thing. Um, and it's it's it, and it's all it's also got the the new because MG is part of the the Geely group the Chinese yeah, group yeah. now they they are also General Motors and Volkswagen in China and this is the first of a new platform that's going to underpin a lot of cars whether they petrol hybrid or EV mm. so this is the first one that's coming out with this new platform I think it's called Sigma uh, platform so it is absolute cutting edge technology. Wow, uh, for about seventy five thousand, eighty thousand. Like you you really sold on this, aren't you? So well, it's, like- uh, it's just <laughs> I, I went to the event this week, and it is the newest thing to come out. As I said, uh, Shafiq, it's not on the showroom forecourt just yet, but yeah, get down there, have a look anyway. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Damien. So these Chinese cars are really, really. Uh, progressing. I actually went to launch uh, last week for the. I don't know if you know much about the new Jatours. Yes, uh, yes. The Jatour dashing, incredible, incredible yeah. piece of kit. You know, with the five-year warranty, service car. When you sit inside, it's like a Tesla. You've got the big yeah. fifteen-point-six-inch screen. Uh, really, really good value as well. I'm not sure if they do a smaller engine variant, but it's definitely worth looking at Jatour as well, Shafiq. Yeah, for sure. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? It's easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. Or even better, pick up the phone. Give us a call. 04871 And, of course, I'm joined by automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury, who's live in the Dubai studios, ready to take your calls. Let's go straight to to a text here about window tinting, uh, Naz, and see what you, your, your thoughts are on mm-hmm. this. Question here. Is 3M the best for tinting as summer is approaching or any other brand which is not so expensive but still delivers the same quality? Also, uh, the paint protection coating, the PPF film, um, is that worth doing? This is from Ricky. Um, so let's go to the window tinting first. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a difference in uh, quality of window tints, and yeah. I've seen some really, really shoddy stuff out there. So there's a couple of things to look out for. One is the uh, the internal reflection index. So I don't know if you ever if you ever sit in a poor quality tinted car, yeah. and you look outside at night and you see yourself. That's a very bad thing, right? Yes. <laughs> because yes. just the, the, the window tint quality is so bad. You want to be able to see through it from the inside, but not from the outside, yeah. right? So that's something to consider. And the second thing is the actual heat element. So 3M does have a good range of yeah. uh, different um, heat absorbing or heat reflective materials, should I say. Um, and it's definitely worth paying that little bit more to get a better quality tint. Um, 3M is a, well, Tinting is the tip of the iceberg, really. I mean, we all know how big 3M is as yeah. a manufacturer. Um, but yeah, go down to one of their sub-sites. You find them in malls and car parks and things like that. And they have a little heat lamp where they yeah, show you like yeah. how much heat comes through each tint, which is pretty cool. And you'll very quickly see the benefits. But um, I don't know what car you've got, but you're talking to me about PPF. PP, uh, PPF or is an incredible innovation, in my opinion, right? Yeah. So it's like, for the people that don't know, think of like, cling film where you literally just cling film the whole car but it's like really thick and it you know the first line of defense against scratches um dents things like that stone chips uh really really good and it usually lasts three four five years the only thing i would say with ppf much like window tint 
is it's all dependent on the quality as well. So, yeah. you know, make sure you go to one of the better companies where you get a three to five year warranty. Generally with this heat, you'll start seeing the corners peel off after a few years. And uh, if you do go to one of the cheaper places, the lifespan will be much shorter and you'll have to be PPFing it again yeah. in a couple of years. Whereas if you go to the one of the better known brands, um, you'll pay a little bit more just to give you an idea, you know, seven grand small hatchback going up to 15 18 grand for a four by four but that'll give you a full five-year protection you know if it peels and things like that i hope that answered the question i'm quite passionate about this side of the industry. no no because <laughs> it, it, it's a really good question ricky because um yeah and also to the application of ppf2 you, you you know some the, the they put them you see the you see the cut lines inside the, the door jams and under the hood and that sort of thing yeah um yeah because ricky there are two things that i do when i buy a car in the middle east here one I put the window tint on, yeah. and two, I PPF it. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's the same thing. Exactly the same. And, 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 and I'm not endorsing them at all, but it, my tint has always been 3M. Yeah. Be- because the, the reason is um, I look back at some years ago, I look at V-Cool, and V-Cool was, uh, is very good. It's, it, V-Cool the, the, is the same material they use for the windscreen of the space shuttle. So oh, it, really? it, it's reflective, yes, yeah, so from, okay. from the heat. They wow. 3M apparently is the same. Um, yeah. but but it's more affordable. So I, I I've got went with the 3M. Now my car sat parked outside for seven years in in Dubai. I use the clear I use the hundred percent clear film on the windscreen, and then I use the twenty five percent on the side and rear. And my, the, the the plastic dash on my old Alfa Romeo was in perfect condition after seven wow. years. Wow. That's that's the only endorsement I can give. The hood lining was fine. The door rubbers were fine. The interior, the temperatures remained a bit cooler. So. That's my personal endorsement. I'm, I'm not involved with any of those companies, but it worked on my cars. <laughs> I hope that answered the question for you. So there we go. Now, we've got another text message from, from Adi. Uh, Adi, what's uh, your view on the performance of the Hongxi H9? Uh, I'm not familiar with Chinese vehicles, but it certainly is an impressive-looking vehicle from inside and outside. Adi, I'm glad you asked that because we had uh, the guys from Hongxi on Motormania a few weeks ago. Talking about their their range of cars coming out now, I haven't I haven't been in the car yet, and I haven't driven it yet, so uh, I really restrict on, on as to my personal opinion. But I know that uh, they're investing a lot of money into the brand here. Um, the value seems incredibly good. Uh, we're talking, you know, one hundred and ten, one hundred twenty thousand dirham for the absolute flagship model that has massage seats and loads of rear legroom and, and the whole thing for, for the, the H nine. Yeah, so we're talking crazy no. value. This this is what the the guys from Hongshu were saying a few weeks ago. So the H nine, um, maybe that's a little bit more, but but this is what they were saying. This is what the brand. This is what the range was going up to. So certainly, the best way Ardell you can do is go down and get into it, take one for a drive experience it for yourself but i know that they're giving really good warranties and really good uh value on the purchase price so um uh, so yeah uh, give, give that one a shot it's again incredible you see this i wouldn't expect it this few years ago but like last few calls last bit of interest has all been chinese cars who would have thought right <laughs> i know i know uh and and there's more coming later this year too so yeah there's uh there's there's uh, a big interest in there um now We've got a message here from uh, Kalfa. Kalfa says, another text message, Good morning, I want to buy an affordable four, four-wheel car to low-maintenance cost, four-wheel drive, I'm guessing, low-maintenance cost. Can you guide me if the Mazda CX or the Skoda uh, would be the uh, the best option? Thank you. New or used, does it say? 
Uh, no, she doesn't say. I think I think that would be new. The Skoda, uh, the the Mazda, and again the CX is a range of cars. CX three five nine, yeah. various sizes. Yeah. I've got I have no problem with the, the Mazda. C- you don't see many of them around. You don't, but I definitely see the Mazda. I mean, what's really interesting is in the past, I'd say ten years more. Um, there's been a real push for anything that that uses the word crossover or SUV. Yeah, uh, and yeah. That, that's been the thing now, hasn't it? It's like everyone wants to cross over an SUV, especially in Europe and uh, the US has just become a big trend. So when you look at the Mazda uh, three, five, and nine, all they did is add an X on it, called it a crossover yeah. SUV, <laughs> yes. lifted it ever so slightly, and there you go. You have your SUV. Yeah, uh, but really, it's just a base Mazda three, isn't it? Like, yeah, just, exactly, exactly. On stilts. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with that, of course. It's a great car, and I choose it over the Skoda um, for a couple of reasons. Really, number one, uh, Japanese car probably lost last better in this region. Yeah. Uh, your maintenance will be a bit lower uh, versus a Skoda, which is a VW platform, of course. Yeah, um, and we know what VWs are like. Audi, you know that range. Uh, as they get older here, they don't fare as well. So for me, it'd be the Mazda. Oh, there you go. So yeah, because the so the, with the Mazda, with, with those two cars, Cather, the Mazda is uh, is current generation. It's brand new. Uh, the Skoda um, uses the previous generation Audi the old, base. Yeah. So it, so that the Skoda, the, you haven't specified which model, but I'm guessing it would be the, based on the Audi A4 or the previous generation. Uh, so if you liked your German cars, that's what the Skoda is. But as Naz says, it's uh, they are a little bit more expensive to maintain. The Mazda CX-9 is uh, is the uh, absolute current tech that you can get. So, and I like I, I think the Mazda is fine. I think the, the quality and what you get for the money is very good. Right. So there you go, Katha. Um, I hope that helps you fix it or flip it. Yeah, we're taking your calls right now on Motormania. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. This is how it works. It's easy. We need the details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app or even better, pick up the phone. Give us a call, 04871 And myself and Naz Chowdhury, automotive entrepreneur, will do our best live here in the Dubai Eye studio to answer your questions. So do get on the phone and, um, and, and give us a call straight away. Now, we're going to go straight now to Jeff, who's on the line. Jeff, uh, thanks for, for holding on during the break there. Now, uh, you've got a Jaguar, is that correct? Morning, Damien. Morning. Yep. Yeah, I've got a Jaguar XKR 2008. Black exterior, black interior. Ooh, nice. Nice. Uh, how many? You've got about 100,000 kilometres or a bit over that, With you were saying? It's about, yeah, it's 130k, and it actually just went through the RTA testing like a breeze yesterday. No problem at all. Beautiful car, Naz. Absolutely incredible car. I mean, I remember getting one of these a few years back. It just was it Dine of the Day, James Bond, when they had this in the uh, DB7 <laughs> yeah, just skating yeah. on the ice. Like from that day, it was, it was a nice British racing green. I just thought I have to get myself one of those incredible cars. That's exactly the movie that uh, I fell in love with. The they inspired you to buy it, right? <laughs> do you not have the little uh, the little rocket launchers on the front grill? Do you? <laughs> Nice no, optional extra. <laughs> um, you know, these things are, are, are becoming, almost becoming a modern classic, really, in terms yeah. of how collectible they are. I mean, if you look at the side profile, in my opinion, they are one of the most beautiful cars. They've got yeah. the big 20-inch wheels. and It's branded as a Jaguar, but just looking at the side profile of this car, you can see where the inspiration came from, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of years ago, I'd say these things tanked out around 30,000, 35,000 dirhams. I saw them changing hands. But now... There's not many on the market, and if and when you do find them, 
people asking for 60, 70, 75, somewhere there. I'm not saying you'll get that, but it is fairly limited, uh, very niche market. It's just about finding the right buyer, but I'd say around 60, 65,000 sounds about right in today's market. Wow, it's going nowhere then. I'll keep it for a Sunday drive. and I can Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've got cheap fuel it. here. Just enjoy it while you can, you know? Absolutely enjoy <laughs> it because I think, uh, and I think Naz will probably agree with me, that it's, it's, it's at the bottom of the curve. It's going to go up. Uh, as especially as Jaguar moves to, morphs to being a full electric vehicle company in a couple of years' time, yeah. you're going to find yourself with a V8 Jaguar Coupe, and everyone will want a V8 Jaguar Anything, Coupe. So yeah, exactly. I think, exactly. look, Jeff, hang on to it, enjoy it, and really enjoy it. It's a lovely car, and uh, and and in a couple of years, it'll start returning your favour. Wonderful, top tips, guys. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. No problem. Thank you. Thanks very much, Jeff. Now we're going now straight to uh, to Matthew. Uh, Matt, good morning, Matthew. You got a very popular car in the Middle East. Yeah, Damien. Hi, guys. Good morning. Yeah, I've got a Nissan Patrol, which is 2013 model, uh, gray color, done 175,000 kilometers. It is SC, small engine. Uh, when I bought it, it was the top of the range, but yeah. So should I keep it? Should I flip it? Or if I'm to uh, sell it, you know, what can I expect for my car? Yeah, I mean, that's my way. can you go wrong with a Nissan, with 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 with, with uh, with the Nissan off-roaders not in this really, region. I not mean, really, uh, no. Patrol, I mean, 2013, SE, it's grey, 175,000 kilometres. These things are bulletproof, uh, Matthew, and this thing will just go on forever. I mean, 175 shouldn't really concern you. I mean, I'm assuming you've serviced it on time and things like that. I mean, that's yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, that's just service. Be- yeah, I used to do with uh, the uh, dealer, but off later... Uh, I've been doing with Dynatrade, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Dynatrade, if I'm mistaken, that they're, they're as good as OEM. I think that they're actually the main dealer in another country, uh, Oman, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, in yeah. terms of today's price, I'd say around sixty-five, seventy thousand dirhams, somewhere there. Yeah, that's oh, okay. And um, but the thing, the thing is, this thing will not depreciate much more than that. You can drive this for another five years. And I mm. uh, hope you're not going to listen to this in 2027, but it'll still be worth 50,000 dirhams. I mean, these <laughs> things just don't depreciate. Um, you've okay. got a solid tank there. It'll run forever, and I don't see it causing many issues either. Um, so okay. if you don't need to change it, there's no particular need. You know, you've, you're at the bottom of depreciation curve. Oh, okay. There you go. I hope thanks, that, thanks a lot. No, no worries. I hope that helps. Uh, now, before we go to uh, to Rajesh, we've got a text here. Nissan Pathfinder from Hamish, red 20, 2013 model, 165,000 kilometres. What's the value, please, and the best place to sell it? Thanks very what much. What was the year, sorry? Uh, it's a 2013 Nissan Pathfinder, red, 165,000 kilometres. 2013. Um, I'd say, well, probably 30,000, 35,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Uh, maybe less, depending on the spec, um, but 30. And in terms of where to sell it, I mean, we all know the largest classified sponsor yeah. of the show, Dubizzle. Yeah. <laughs> um, just having a quick look online now, the, the, they've got nine 2013 um, Pathfinders um, ranging from 25,000 all the way to 40,000. And the 40,000 ones, they're SL spec with low mileage. Um, so my advice would be take some nice pictures, get it listed and uh, see what happens really somewhere within that region. There you go, Hamish. Hope that helps. Uh, we're now going to cross to Rajesh. Rajesh, good morning. We're going to keep this in the Nissan family. What have you got for us this morning? Hey, thanks so much, guys. Uh, it's been just on time. I am driving right now to get my car valued. I have an Infiniti QX70 2018. I have driven about 180,000 kilometers. 100, 118,000 kilometers. Infiniti what, sorry? Q- uh, Q- QX70. 
So that's the uh, yeah. that's that's based on the patrol, I think. Yeah. No, it's a bit smaller. Uh, uh, QX seven. Yeah, yes, yes. And what what year was it? Sorry. Two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen, and uh, you're saying you're off to get it valued. So, are you going to one of these uh, cash buying businesses, or are you going to like the yes. uh, the main yes. dealer? In fact, I'm right now driving into this office. So you couldn't have come at a better time. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have Hold to be, out. I have to be very careful because I don't want to upset them or upset you. Uh, look, in terms of, in, let's let's talk about a few things, and this is probably relevant to a lot of people out there, right? So, you know, why do the prices vary so much? And the answer is there's retail value. Um, so if a showroom was to put your car up for sale on a showroom floor with warranty, service contract, uh, with FNI, you know, financing and things like that. They can probably get away with advertising it for as much as, you know, 100,000 dirhams, really. Um, if you were to put it on Dubizzle yourself, you'd want to put it up around 90, 95. You'd probably get offers around 85, 87, somewhere there. Um, 80 if someone's coming in optimistic. And that's probably a realistic selling price in, 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 in terms of a private sale. Um, with these cash buying businesses... Uh, I'd say around 65 to 70 is probably what they'd offer you because they need to make a margin as well and then they pass it on to a dealer who also needs to make a margin as well. Um, so although it's the quickest way to sell a car, might not be the most cost effective. It's a wholesale value effectively. It's a wholesale yeah. value, yeah. So yeah. because like, uh, I'm just softening you into I don't want to say your car's worth 65 because that's probably what they're going to offer you now. But the good news is put it onto a busy yourself, you get 15 grand more easily. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful news. Thank you so much, guys. No, no worries, problems. No, no worries, problems. Rajesh. All the best. Bye. <laughs> right, and uh, a big hello to the guys out there who <laughs> might be listening to that one. <laughs> um, but that's the truth, though, isn't it? I mean, they, 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 these these cash for cars businesses are effectively wholesalers, and they what they do is they they value they look at your car, they they cite it, they check it out, then they get on the phone or they quickly pass a WhatsApp group around and say, "Hey, this is what's in in here now." Yeah, and do you want this on your forecourt? So, so the, the, everyone has to make a little profit out of this. And this was my previous life at WeCash in a car, right? So we yeah. went up to you know a good volume of cars each month. Uh, bit more sophisticated than the WhatsApp groups, although a lot of them do run on WhatsApp. So we had a you know a nice app. Hundreds of dealers bidding locally, internationally, and we get the the, the best price from yeah. whoever it may be. Knock off our margin, which is a very nominal margin, and just get the volume through the door. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get this offline a lot, which is yeah. you know, I've only been offered this, or you know, I've seen other cars advertised at this, and why is there such a big disparity? And I always have to tell them this: trade price, wholesale price, retail price, dreamers price, showroom price, and it, it all varies, right? So you know, we have to like. Try to be as accurate as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, uh, Ajmal has texted in. He's got another very popular car in the region, the, the good old Prado. The Toyota Prado Lancer is a TXL model. It's a 4-litre, 2012, 78,000 kilometres for a 2012 model. Uh, no accidents, single owner. It was repurchased from his employer, um, and it has the flat tailgate. So any guess on the selling price for Ajmal? Flat tailgate. Can can you tell me what that is? No, that would mean? be the that would be the split fold down rather than the open out barn doors. Ah, situation. I see. I see. I see. Um, okay, sorry, I just wasn't. That's one thing I wasn't aware of. You learn something yeah. new every day, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, again, great car. Bottom of the depreciation curve. This is not going any lower than what it is today. Um, I'd say around sixty, sixty-five thousand dirham somewhere there. 
There you go, uh, Ajmal. I hope that helps. Uh, Mohammed has also texted in. Mohammed has an Audi A8 2014 model. It's the three-litre six-cylinder engine, mid-spec, uh, steel grey is the uh, the body colour, very popular colour at the time. And uh, what else has he got? It's um, done 151,600 kilometres, GCC specs, um, bought new from, from Al Nabuda. So uh, uh, looking for a selling price. Uh, it's a shame with these cars because in my opinion, and most people out there actually, the three litre is is quite underpowered in, in such a big car. Yeah. And uh, with it having 150,000 kilometres on the clock, that engine has been stressed out quite a bit That's just it. to move yeah. that big lump of metal around for all those kilometres, right? Yeah. And uh, what you'll tend to find is the running cost on something like that would get quite high and it puts a lot of people off. Um, in terms of pricing, I'd say you know, people are advertising a 45, 50, 55, somewhere there. Uh, but it's not the most desirable used car to jump into simply because of the fear of the maintenance cost. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. Smaller engine, big car, it's going to work harder. And when the car gets older, exactly. you're going to have to pay for the upkeep on that one. Exactly. Um, so we're going to cross now to uh, to Farhead on the line. Good morning, Farhead. Hi, good morning, Damien. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very good. You've got an, another incredibly popular car in the region, the Toyota Yaris 2016 model. Uh, 300,000 kilometres on it, Farhead. Tell me more about it. Yeah, so see, I bought it in 2016 from the showroom. This is my first car in UAE. And I really did have a lot of rides. You know, you can see 300,000 kilometers just in six wow. years. Wow. Um, so still driving great. I didn't have any major maintenance. Like, I, I, had a, I had to replace the radiator and the condenser in the AC system. That's the only one I remember apart from normal routine uh, maintenances. But right now, hitting 300,000, I'm just wondering, like, um, even in my workplace, I'm the guy with the highest mileage. Uh, <laughs> so uh, is it the right time to look into, you know, get it sold out? Or what do you think about this particular model? And, uh, you know, it's a Toyota. Yeah, I mean, look, this is just a testament to what we always talk about on the show, which is the solid reliability of these Toyotas. And to have something with such a small engine doing 300,000 yeah. kilometers is, is, is really, really incredible. It just goes to show, I don't think you'd get many, I don't want to like say anything about specific countries, but certain European yeah. countries that would do that with only radiator change, right? It's incredible. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, right. Look, in, in terms of pricing, uh, let's start with that, Fahad. I think, you know, if you were to upgrade or something uh, towards a part exchange, you'd probably get around... 20 to 22, 25,000 dirhams, somewhere there. And considering what you paid for it in 2016, that's yeah. pretty good value, right? I mean, you're getting yeah, 35, 40% of your money back, if not more. Um, mm. I mean, personally, it's just it's just preference, really. You know, if you're in a position to upgrade, uh, now's probably a good time. And I don't even need to tell you this, but you probably find yourself in a new Toyota because this thing's worked so well for you, right? They've got a good range of the, you know these Corolla Sports and things like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's probably worth upgrading now simply because you've had a good run in it and uh, it's time to enjoy mm -hmm. something else, really. Um, yeah, I think it's quite a decision to make. And, uh, yeah, that would be helpful. Um, I'll look around for maybe in Dubizel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> people check it, freak check out it. when they see 300,000. Yeah, check so, out Dubizel okay, and see, so, see what, uh, so see what I saw. I saw Yaris on there recently for uh, with 250,000 yeah. kilometers and it was advertised oh, for 32. Okay. So you won't be the only one out there, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Damien. Thanks a lot. No worries, no Pleasure. That's fine. Fix it or flip it. 
Still here with Naz Chowdhury. We've still got a few moments left for uh, for Fix It or Flip It this morning. We're pricing cars on the spot. We just need all the details we can from you. So text them in to us, 4001, or give us a call, 04871 Now, so happy Naz was our happy customer about the Audi A8 that Mohammed's given us another value he's looking for, and that is the uh, Lexus IS300 CE. It's a 2011 model. Uh, white ex- white is the uh, exterior colour, off-white leather seats. It's convertible. Uh, says that the convertible works very well. GCC specs, bought brand new from Alpha Tame. Uh, minor dents here or there over the years. Fully uh, repaired under insurance and looking for a value on that one. Uh, okay, so with this one, it's um, it's a bit of a curveball really because they were quite rare. Yeah. So the, the IS300 is a very, very popular and common car. Uh, but the convertible variant is extremely rare. I mean, I haven't seen the GCC one advertised for a while. So what happened was there was, um, you know, these car dealers always take advantage of this international arbitrage, right? So over the years, these things depreciated a lot more in the US. Yes, they did. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they weren't so readily available here in the used car market, a lot of people brought them over. Now, we all know that American spec cars are worth 30, 35, 40% less, maybe even more if they have some accident damage. Um, thing is, you won't find many GCC ones on the market. So, you know, the US spec ones, you find a few all the time, maybe Japanese import as well, will be worth 35, 40,000 dirhams. Yours being a GCC on paper should be worth at least 30% more, which takes it to 55, 60, but it's just about finding the right buyer and explaining to them, which is an easy justification, why he should be paying 30% more or 50% more for your car over the American spec variant. There you go. I hope that uh, helps you, Mohammed. Uh, another texter in. It's the Jeep Grand Cherokee. This is from Simon. Um, it's, a, it's a Summit model, 2021, 30,000 kilometres, blue, GCC spec, and bought new from Western Motors. Uh, looking for a value estimation on that one. Uh, great car. I'd say around 115, 120,000 dirhams, somewhere there. Um, very, very popular car, actually. So that'll do well now. Yeah, there you go. Um, hope that uh, helps you with, with that one, Simon. Going now to the lines, uh, Jeff is on the line. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Now, you've got uh, you've got another venerable favourite in the region, Mitsubishi Pajero. Uh, tell me more about it. No, he wants to buy. Mitsubishi Are you looking to Pajero. buy? You're looking to buy. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking to buy one. It's in that area, and I was wondering what you guys would suggest would be a good price. Well, there's no shortage of them, that's for sure. 2015 model, um, and you're looking at well, for one in good condition. Yeah, Naz, what, what do you think the market now for Pajeros is? Yeah, hey, Jeff, thanks for your call. So, look, they're a dime a dozen, really. There's yeah. so many out there. If you just run a quick search, you'd, you'd, you'd be spoilt for choice, really. What I would look out for is uh, make sure you're new to the country. Make sure it's GCC specification. Um so it's not an import. That's probably the single most important thing I'd advise. A lot of new people come to the country, they don't know the difference. Um, so make sure it's been sold by the local dealership here. That's the first thing. Second thing is make sure it's got a good service history and a good record so you can warrant the mileage. And finally, uh, make sure it's got good mileage. Like what you're looking for around 130,000 kilometers, I'd say you know don't go any higher than that. In terms of price of what you'd be expected to pay, they'd probably advertise for thirty five, forty thousand dirhams. Um, you know, if you pay anywhere in the low thirties, you'd be doing okay. Um, but just even if it costs you two grand more, make sure you find one with the service history with good mileage. 
There Excellent. you go. Well, that's great news. Thanks very much. No, no worries, Jeb. Good. Absolute pleasure. All the best. Good luck with that one. <laughs> uh, now we're going straight now to Adley. I've got time for just one more caller, I think. Uh, at this stage, Adley, good morning. Good morning, Damien. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah, you have got a Ford Fusion uh, white 2014, 162,000 kilometres. What more can you tell me about it? Uh, very minor fixes. Went to the service station. I, I guess the um, um, Altair station. Most of the times, I've not had uh, any accidents. Small dents here and there because of my parking spot, but nothing, nothing major. What okay. year was it? Sorry. Uh, this is a 2014 Ford Fusion. Amazing to have it serviced at Altair even at this stage. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that to be honest. Um, now, in terms of price, unfortunately, although you have that service history, which probably cost you quite a bit to maintain, um, it wouldn't really add that much value to the price. It would definitely make it more desirable and help. Uh, in terms of pricing, I'd say advertise it around 35 38 and you'd expect to walk away somewhere in the low 30s. All right, that sounds good. And I was considering a RAV4 Adventure instead. So is that is that far-fetched? <laughs> No, it's a great car, good value car. Um, not the most popular car out there, mm. to be honest. I don't think I've seen one for a while, but I'd, I'd definitely say it's a good car. I don't have anything negative to say about it, Damien. No, not not at all. Uh, as you say, not not a, uh, a huge amount, but uh, but yeah, have, have a look at one. Take one for a drive, see what you think. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ed. No problems. There you go, Adley. I uh, hope that helps. Um, so uh, that's just about all we've got. I've got one very quick one for you uh, for here, Naz. I'm going back to the Philipp- text message. I'm going back to the Philippines for good. I want to bring my 2010 Mustang with me. Is it worth the hassle of getting the paperwork done and paying for the shipping and taxes? That's from Milo. Okay, so this a lot of people ask me this question, and the yeah. answer is very simple. From a UE perspective, it's a piece of cake. Yeah, like literally, you know, you've got Jebel Ali, one of the most connected ports in the world. Uh, you've got the RTA with a very, very simple export process. You can export a car on paper in five minutes, literally the RTA. Um, and then shipping, obviously, you have to consider because that's on the expensive side these days. Um, the real mystery is your individual country. And I yes. know that Philippines, yeah. if not mistaken, probably 100% tax, if not more. And then there's also restrictions in terms of engine sizes and things like that. So I can answer the first half of the question, which is exporting from here onto a container, nice, easy, cheap, and expensive. It's the other side when it lands that you have to worry about. And unfortunately, with Philippines, I don't know the exact laws on a specific uh, Mustang 2010. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think with a car like that, 2010 Mustang, there would be there would be some around in the region. I'm mm. not sure if they're uh, whether officially sold there or not. But even still, they're sold in neighbouring countries. It might be a might be yeah. a better option to try and bring that one in. So uh, definitely, yeah. I hope that uh, helps you, uh, Milo, with with that one. Um, so uh, that's about all we've got time for for uh, for fix it or flip it. Um, thanks, Naz, for for joining us once again. We'll see you back in the studio in a couple of weeks. We're we'll back on uh, the eighth of April. So uh, yeah, sure, I'll be around. <laughs> enjoy, enjoying your 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 Ramadan, and uh, well, we might have some some good deals for uh, for Ramadan deals that we can we can discuss next time yeah around. definitely definitely especially towards the last few days it's that final rush isn't it so uh all the deals are trying to get rid of their stock so it'll be interesting